0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at TPRDFW.com. All right, well, this session on sacrificial living or living sacrificially, whichever, we got to start with the way God sees it. And the way that the Lord sees sacrifice is it's valuable to him. He, he values it. I mean, if you just think about the very concept of the Old Testament sacrificial system being the way that God started a nation. He said, hey, you're a nation. Congratulations. Now do sacrifices. And, and don't think of sacrifices as that animal died. Think of it as the guy had a, had a cow. He had a goat. And now he doesn't have a cow or a goat anymore. He had grain. That family was going to eat that, and now they don't have it anymore. So when we think the word sacrifice, don't think, you know, some animal up on an altar. Think the actual concept of a person made a sacrifice. They they sacrificed something that was important to them. God built a nation on that concept. The nation was founded on that concept that God sees... And he he wants the hearts of the people. And he recognizes the easiest way to get to the hearts of the people is to get the people to sacrifice things that are important to them, that are valuable to them, and to give it to God so that they can experience a spiritual transaction. Okay? So this is the foundation of like what it means to be a follower of God is this idea that we're giving God things that are important to us. And more than, more than that, we're giving Him extra stuff. We're giving Him, we're giving him things we didn't even have to give Him. And, and we're doing that so that we can get Him involved in our life, get the, the favor of God, feel His presence. There's a, there's a thousand things that happen in that transaction. But the idea of a sacrifice is that actually, it's to move the kingdom of God forward, really. And we're looking at The modern day context, I I just want to give you the, the thought process that I'm mostly honed in on related to this idea of sacrifice is that it's either, it's expanding the kingdom either in our own hearts or in the ministry context that we're a part of. And the reason I say the ministry context you're a part of is because it's difficult to make an impact in the kingdom outside of a ministry context that you're a part of. It could be your own ministry. It could be you go out and do evangelism. Great, that's a ministry context you're a part of. It's difficult to impact the kingdom of God in faraway places that you don't have any connection to. So I'm focusing mostly on in your own heart and in your own ministry context. The subject of sacrifice moves the kingdom of God forward, either in your own heart or in your ministry context. And so here, let's look at uh, Matthew eleven, twelve. 12. You guys are familiar with it but you might not have ever thought about it in the context of the subject of living a sacrificial lifestyle. This is Matthew eleven twelve, 12, and it's uh, the central idea that the kingdom of God will not move forward without effort. The kingdom of God needs to advance, and the kingdom of God will never advance if all of us do nothing. I mean, that's pretty simple math, right? Well, it's the same way in your own heart. Whether you're talking about expanding the kingdom in your heart or you're talking about extending, expanding the kingdom externally in our ministry context, the same is true in either way. It's going to take effort. And this is what Jesus said about John the Baptist. He praised him like crazy. And of John the Baptist, who was moving the kingdom of God forward, both in his own heart and in his ministry context, he said this, <clears throat> From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. What does that look like? It means that extra effort, that going the extra mile, that taking big steps. He's, he's describing the way that the kingdom moves forward is it's not by people just showing up to church. That's not how the kingdom of God advances. The kingdom of God advances violently. It takes violent violence. It takes spiritual violence. It takes doing something different than you were planning to do. It takes putting energy and effort into something that you weren't already thinking you were going to put it into. The kingdom of God will never advance because it's the way the Lord has set it up. The kingdom of God will never advance without human effort. God wants partnership. That's how he does it. He wants partnership. So whether you're talking about living sacrificially and how that's going to impact your own heart and you want your heart to be more in love with God, you want to be more tender, you want, you want to encounter God more, you're not going to get there just sitting on your chair doing nothing. You're not going to sit there, get there just watching TV. That will never happen. The kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. They take it. They make radical steps. They live sacrificially in order to advance the kingdom in their own heart, and it's the same in ministry as well. I don't know how many times. I'm so grateful for the years that the Lord allowed me to be practicing all this in secret with just me and him, learning the principle in my own life, because I had no idea how much I would need it in order to see ministry advanced because the principle is the exact same, and that is, it's always going to take more effort. It's going to take more energy. It's going to take more investment. It's going to take more leaning in, and it's always going to take longer than you want it to. And this is, this is what it means. So there's two ways of thinking about our lives as, as we're talking about this subject of living sacrificially. There's two ways. In general, it's either my life belongs to me or my life belongs to Christ it's really what it comes down to there's two ways of thinking you might start to ask yourself i mean of course you would we all have a uh, higher self inflate or a higher inflated vision of ourselves uh, than than is actually real So you ask yourself the question, do I believe that, you know, my life is God's and belongs to God and not belongs to me? I'm sure all of you would say yes at first glance, but then start going down the list and asking yourself the questions of what do you do with your time, your money, and your energy, and who's really driving the ship? Are you, if you ever have to say, Jesus, take the wheel, it means that you have currently got a hold of it. And so you just, you want Jesus driving that car all the time. You want to be asleep in the back seat as best as you can. So you want to ask yourself the question, do I think primarily of my life as belonging to me or do I think primarily, now this is a very violent way to approach life, do I primarily think of my life belongs to Jesus and I get to live the life that he wants me to live? Those are two different thought processes. Well, a life lived for self, which by the way is the total normal American Christianity sort of a way to live. A life lived for self, it's unbelievable how kind God is. He likes us so much. He loves us so much. He wants us with him so much. He tolerates. I mean, it's unbelievable. His mercy is unbelievable. He even tolerates so much selfishness. (laughs) That we would live for ourselves mostly. I don't mean like that. We we would never do anything for God or never think of God or never ask him to take the wheel or never give him parts of our life. I just mean in in general, a person that lives mostly for self and still lives a little bit for the Lord, the Lord is like, I love you so much, I, I, I that's not what I've destined for you. That's not what I planned, that's not what I wanted, but I'll take it. It's unbelievable mercy that the Lord even permits us to live that selfishly. And he totally does. I think most people live that way, actually. I think that's how most Christians live is mostly they have control of their life. Their hands are on the wheel. And they sprinkle a little Jesus into their life. As opposed to, this is not my life. It's yours. Do with it what you want. And then actually go find out what he wants. And then do only the things he wants you to do. That's a very different way to live. Well... We don't want to go on living our lives for ourselves as though we still belong to the world. As believers, we want to live our life for the Lord. We want to live for Jesus. We're a new creation. We have the Spirit of God living in us. We live according to a different rule system. I promise this is all going to wrap up and make sense here in a minute. (coughs) Romans 12.2, do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to attest and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. I think so much of what we're taught in Christianity is actually live mostly like you lived when you were lost and try to stop cussing and go to church. It's like, <laughs> like we, that's not at all what is supposed to be happening. We're supposed to be conforming. Conforming. I just want you to think about another culture. Pretend, you know, that you moved to China, okay? And you're now in China, and you have to conform to that culture. You have to learn the language, learn the practices, learn what's acceptable socially, learn what's, you know, how to communicate to people, learn the whole system of, you know, elders and and, and leaders, and what's it like to live in a communist nation versus, you know, a free democratic society. To conform. I mean, your whole life would change. Everything would change. You'd have to change everything. That's the idea that we would be conforming to his image, conforming to his purposes, not to the pattern of the world anymore, but having a transformation that is occurring day by day. That's what it means to be in Christ. We have the Spirit living inside of us, Galatians 5.25. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. I just want you to see this for a second. This idea of my life is my own means I can do whatever dance I want. But if my life belongs to Christ and I believe that, I've got to keep in step with the Spirit. The Spirit is doing a dance, and it's I don't get to do my own dance. I've got to do His dance, and furthermore, I've got to keep in step so when He turns, I turn. If He, if he pauses, I pause. I pause. This idea of keeping in step, it's an, it's, this is how you can assess whether your life is actually your own or whether your life belongs to Christ. Are you endeavoring day to day to keep in step with the Holy Spirit? Meaning you know what he's doing, you know where he's going, and you're going there. You're doing what he's doing. You're saying what he's saying. You're in step. You're keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to have your life no longer your own and to be submitted to Christ. Well, one life is the one lived for self. we spend enough time on that. But let's talk about living a different kind of life as a living martyr. I like that term, at least for our context here, because the idea of a martyr is somebody that gave it all. I mean, they eventually, in that moment, it, when they were actually martyred, they lost their life for Jesus. I mean, it's the ultimate proof that their life wasn't their own that they belonged to christ they were martyred for christ i don't mean they were murdered because they were mean or they died in a car accident those things are bad i'm talking about they ticked off the wrong people and they refused to back down and they said even if you take my life i'm not going to back down about these things about jesus about these things about his kingdom i'm not going to back down The only way you get there is if your life really belongs to Christ. Well, using that idea, now let's talk about what it means to live like a martyr. I don't mean walk around sad and trying to find out ways to die. I mean, you're a living martyr. You've already said, I'm done. I'm yours. And instead of waiting for a moment where you lose your life, you're losing your life day to day, week to week, month to month. Because on the regular, you are following the Lord, following His purposes, and many times He will ask things that are not what you want. Many things He will ask things that are not what you're desiring. They're very different. This is a crazy way to live. And it's the way we've been called to live. Look at this. Romans 12.1. So we just read Romans 12.2. Same passage. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy offer your bodies as a living sacrifice you could replace bodies with lives offer your lives offer the entirety of your existence offer your your lives as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to god this is actually how you worship god this is your spiritual act of worship that you would live like a martyr That your life wouldn't belong to you, it would belong to him. And all your days you would be thinking, what does he want? What does he care about? What is is he after in this situation? Not what I want, not what, what makes me the most happy, not what makes me the most comfortable. What's he after? And to live that way. And Paul says, that's actually your spiritual act of worship. That's a way bigger deal than standing on the front row at the worship moment and like jumping up and down and screaming like a crazy man. It's actually your real worship is you live for God, not just do you have worship times and worship services and quiet times. It's actually much harder to live as a living martyr than it is to just whatever else. And that's what he says. says, that's true Christianity. That's your spiritual act of worship. Now, obviously, we don't go looking for ways to get dead. The objective is to not actually, and I don't mean just physical death. I mean, you don't go looking for problems. You don't go trying to cause problems in your life. You just never refuse one that God asks you to come into. You never refuse an invitation into a problem. When God says, follow me down this road of a cross. Follow me into this situation that you don't like, that you don't want, that's uncomfortable for you, <clears throat> you never say no. You just say, yes, sir, your will be done. You're smarter than me. You have wisdom. This is this is actually going to work for my good somehow. I'm not in charge of my life. I'm not driving. So when when Jesus turns on the turn signal, you just take the turn. You don't even think about it. He turns on the turn signal, you just turn with it. You're like, "Wow, I didn't see that turn signal. I didn't know you were going to ask that of me. I didn't know that you wanted that. I didn't know you liked that. I didn't know that you thought that was a good thing for my life. I had no idea that that's where things were going." He says, "Just take the turn." Now, the reason I had to give all that introduction is because that's the foundation. We're we're now going to go level two. Now we're going to upgrade from that. That's the starting point of what it means to live for God. But there's some of you, you've already made that decision. You've already gone, you know what? I am living for the Lord. And when he says left, I go left. And he says, stop, I stop, even though I really, really want to go. Some of you have already made that decision. You've already decided that's the way you're going to live. And I don't mean you live it perfect. Nobody does. But that's your main heart posture. I want what God wants for my life. But there's more. There's even more. Because on top of obedience, there is also sacrifice. On top of obedience, on top of obeying, Brad, I want you to go right. Oh, God, I don't want to go right, but I will go right because you just said go right. On top of that, after you've gone right, there's things and decisions and choices you can make going down that path that are free will offerings that you can give to the Lord. Things that he's not demanding of you. Things that he's not saying, you have to do this. It's things in your own soul you're going, oh, but I want to. I want to give you more. We find our fullness, we find our fullness in laying it all down for his sake. This is a beautiful and neglected subject in the body of Christ, but it's, I wanna say it really clearly love expressed through lavish sacrificial offerings to the Lord that you don't have to give him. It's not an obedience issue, it's a free will decision, it's a choice. We find our fullness, not just in begrudged obedience. We find our fullness after obedience in giving him even more that he didn't ask for. That's where we find our fullness. Because he makes up for the lack. Now, it's the only true way to live. We've looked at this concept a little bit already. But a page two, bottom of page two, it's Matthew 10. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. We find our fullness in laying it all down for him. But there are times, as I alluded to, <coughs> where we want to give him even more. I love this line that came out of IHOP, and I, don't, I think they coined it. I think Misty coined it in a song. Maybe Mike preached it in a message. Hunger is our gift. The hunger that we have in our hearts, the actual pain that we feel, Things are not okay right now and they won't be till you come. The pain, the ache, the gap where I want more of God than I have of God right now. I want to feel him more. I want to express my devotion to him more. I want to pour myself out more. I I want more. I'm dissatisfied. He's good. The issue isn't him. The issue is in me. I'm too much in the way right now. I need to get some of me out of the way so I can get more of God. That feeling, that thought, that idea, hearing it preached in a message and it touching your heart even a little bit right now, it's a gift from God. Hunger is a gift. And here's what it says in Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You could say it this way. Hungry people find a way to eat. And if you're not hungry, you won't eat. It's, a, it's an issue of hunger. Hunger will convince you to do crazy things. I mean, There's all these stories of people that are like lost in the woods and stuff. And they're out there for days eating tree bark and whatever else they're eating. I mean, it's like, man, you found a way to eat. All right, you woo. grub worms and everything else wasn't particularly a delicacy plate, but man, they found a way. Hunger causes you in the spirit, hunger causes you to to get a little crazy. It causes you to make decisions you would not make when that ache isn't present and felt. When you feel that ache, it causes you to start thinking about things a little different. What can I do? How do I fix this? I want to get more of God. There are times, and it's a gift of the Lord, and actually, we want to live this way at least a low level ache and hunger all the days of our life. When you have that ache and that hunger, it causes you to reach for God in a fresh way, in a louder way. Well, why is that good? Because when we do, we get him. That's the the principle. Sacrificial living isn't to win a merit badge. I mean, I remember back in the living room days and these, these kinds of messages about living sacrificially and kind of talking about what some of that looked like. It wasn't so that we could get a merit badge. I, I wasn't trying to help anybody, and I don't think really, maybe a couple of people, but I don't think anybody was thinking, wow, if I do this, then I'm, I'm cool. Like, I'm a good Christian. I'm, I'm an awesome Christian. I'm, I'm really hardcore. I don't think that, I mean, for one, that's totally a wrong thought. That's not what it's about. It's not trying to earn anything. It's about trying to position your heart to be able to feel God more, encounter the Lord more, <clears throat> fix the ache. You could say advance the kingdom. Touch on that, some of that spiritual violence so that you can actually experience the kingdom in a, in a new way, a fresh way, a deeper way. But it, it requires effort. It requires spiritual violence to take it. It says, and those who will be spiritually violent... They will take it by force. They will. The hunger analogy. Those that are hungry, they will go after it. They will eat. They will be filled. The subject of of sacrificial living actually is about fullness. It's about getting filled. It's about moving the kingdom forward and seeing the purposes of the Lord move. However, in this concept of sacrificial living, and we're going to talk about real deal practicals here in a minute. I'm just trying to help us to understand the context of what this is and what this does in a community, what this does in your own soul. This concept, while it's beautiful and it promises reward, it promises being filled, it promises getting you know, more of his presence, more whatever, it promises that. It does come at a real cost. And we got to talk about that cost because it's not free. Spiritual violence isn't free. Hunger and whatever it takes to get that food, it isn't free. There's a real cost on it. But here's what Paul said about the subject kind of in its broadest strokes. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. He says this about the subject of voluntary weakness, about becoming weak on purpose, giving God things of our own strength that we didn't have to give him so that we can actually touch something else. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. For when I am weak, then I am strong, Paul says. Recognizing that when we lean into the Lord, when we choose to live sacrificially, we position ourselves in a point of weakness. So think of, I mean, again, we're going to spend all next week on the money thing, but just we'll talk about money for a second. If you've got $10 and you go, God, I'm going to give you this $10, you no longer have $10. So now if you want a cheeseburger and the cheeseburger costs eight ninety nine dollars plus tax, it's almost $10, you can't buy a cheeseburger. It's real simple math here. I'm using the concept of money because it's the simplest and the most tactile, but it's the same thing with your strength, with your time, with your bandwidth, with your relationships, with everything. It's the same thing. If you give it to God, you don't have it anymore. You have now become weak on purpose and that weakness is really costly, especially when in the case of that $10 and the burger, you're really hungry and you gave up the $10 and now there's no burger and you don't get to eat. I mean, we like the story when somebody walks in and in that moment buys you the same cheeseburger you were about to buy for yourself. But many, many, many times the Lord does not want that to happen. There are moments of reward, but that's not the whole way through every time you give it in that next moment you get the cheeseburger. No, instead, you get to not eat. You get to feel the pain of no eating. That's what happens when you give the $10. It's important to understand that because the subject of sacrificial living, it's actually going to require sacrifice. Even going back to the principles we were talking about, how God formed the nation of Israel. If the guy gave the goat, he doesn't have a goat. (laughs) If he gave the grain, he doesn't have that grain anymore. When we give, when we live sacrificially, there really is real cost on our flesh, <clears throat> and I think that surprises people sometimes. They go into it, and they're thinking, well, the Lord's going to show up, and he will in his own timing, in his own way, and never your timing, and never your way. Your way is right now, bigger, immediately, and then like a, like a slot machine that never loses. You put another quarter in, and now there's $10,000. You put another quarter in, and there's $10,000. It's not how this works. The Lord is so fine with the ache, the ache is on purpose. It's not an accidental byproduct, it's the point. When you give and live sacrificially and you give up something, there is real pain and ache attached to whatever it is you gave up and God doesn't want that to go away. He actually wants you to experience that's your, that's your benefit. That's your honor, that's your glory that you now get to bear the weight of the loss of the thing that you gave, whatever it is, whatever sacrificial thing that you're giving. The point about a fill-in around here. Somebody calls you and says, hey, I really need somebody to fill in for me for this prayer set, can you do it? And you say yes. You don't get those two hours back. (laughs) They're gone. They're straight up gone. So whatever you were gonna be doing, mowing the lawn or going to the grocery store hanging with a friend drinking coffee, that, those two hours, they are really gone. So there is real cost when we make these sacrifices. And it's not a one-time deal. This isn't something that we do when we come to Christ only. This is a way that we live in the spirit is that we understand this, this concept of laying down our life, of giving ourselves, and of sacrificing to the Lord. All right. So let's get into part three because there are some ground rules here that I think it's important that we understand. There are some ways to do this really dumb. There are some things that you really should try to avoid. There are some things that you want to understand, some some parameters, and I'm sure the list is a lot longer than the few points we're going to cover. But before we get into those, I just want to give us one last sales pitch on why we would ever want to do such a thing like living sacrificially. Why would we ever want to give something up to God, you know, for the kingdom, why would we ever want to sacrifice? It causes us to engage faith in a fresh way. Some of you in this room, your faith is a little crusty. And it's time. It's time to engage faith in a fresh way. It's time to sacrifice something in order for your own heart and soul to be able to come alive again. For you to actually be able to feel God in a fresh way, there is some onus actually on us. There's, if, we're, if you're ever in a time where you're like, I'm really not feeling the Lord much. I, I love God, but I'm just really like kind of bored as a Christian. There's something you can do about it. You don't have to wait for a revival meeting to happen in a city near you. There's something you can do about it. You can engage faith by some version of a sacrifice that you're going to give up to the Lord. Something in your life that you're going to choose to do that you can actually engage faith in a fresh way. And it's, it's powerful. And remember, blessed are those who hunger and thirst they will be filled. You will be. Next, it frees up our hearts from many entangled affections. When we make a sacrifice in our life, we give something up. It's amazing what we find out about our priorities, what we find out about our affections, our emotions. We find ourselves freed up. And you're like, you didn't even know you were locked in. You didn't even know you were locked up a minute ago. And then you get rid of the thing, you're like, oh my gosh, I, I feel so free in my spirit. There's something about that. It also frees up our bandwidth to make more room for the Lord, whatever it is that you would give up. It causes us to focus our attention on Him in a greater way. When we're in pain, hurt people pray. Crying people cry out to God. When you're in pain, you talk to the Lord about it. Now, we want to get to a point where when we're in happy... We're always talking to the Lord about that too. But the Lord's like, listen, I have got a fail safe built into the system here. If you know me and you're in pain, I guarantee you, you're calling me. He's like, you, I know when you are in pain, you will talk to God because that's our hearts are in, there is an ache. What if we create the ache on purpose? Within parameters. When you do that, when you lift up a sacrifice to the Lord, something that, that you care about, it frees up. Uh, more than just your bandwidth, it actually causes you to focus on him in a more intentional way. Because you're, you're trying to, to like make sense of that decision that you made and make sense of the pain that you've now inflicted on yourself. Okay? It ushers in encounters with him. That's what the will be filled is about. You will actually encounter the Lord more. I mean, I'll say this. I am so confident of this statement. If you live a sacrificial lifestyle, you will encounter God way more than the person next to you that doesn't live a sacrificial lifestyle. I guarantee it. 10 people out of 10 people, you will encounter the Lord more. You'll have more encounters with God, and those encounters will look a lot of different ways. If you live a sacrificial lifestyle, you'll encounter God more than the person that does not You'll encounter God more than the person you were. You will encounter the Lord more, and it expands kingdom initiatives again. The violent take it by force. The kingdom of God only advances when, when radical steps are made. When people go, you know what? I'm going to do something different than what I did yesterday. I'm going to invest more of myself, my time, my energy, my money, my gifts. I'm going to invest more to see this thing move forward. All right, part B. These are the, uh, these are the rules, okay? We want to not be mastered by our blessings, I am grateful for the things that I have in my life, but I do not want those things to dictate what I do and don't do in my life. I'm grateful for the blessings, but when the blessings dictate what you do and don't do, you want to ask yourself the question, who's actually in charge of what here? Because it sounds more like those things are in charge of me than it is I'm in charge of those things. Paul said it this way, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial Everything is permissible, but I will not be mastered by anything. I'm not going to let blessings dictate my life. I'm not going to let blessings own me. And I'll tell you what, the easiest way, I'll just say it, the easiest way to find out if that thing has mastery of you, decide to give it up. And then you'll know. (laughs) And, and, And then when you do give it up, Find in your heart where, like, how much freedom you got from that. There's just something to this. So a first thought process of this whole sacrificial living, you want to ask yourself the question, what owns me? What owns me? What, what demands of me time, money, attention? What is actually driving the ship here? Second point, you only want to give gifts that actually cost you something. That's one of the reasons that the Lord was so big on, don't give me that lame lamb. Don't give me the one that's got a defect. He said, you weren't going to get near as much for that one in the market. Like, don't give me that. I don't want whatever sacrifice you were thinking about giving me that's broken or sick or, you know, maimed or something. Don't give me that one. I want the real one. And here's... Uh, just a little fun trivia point for you, if you didn't already know this. Our ministry was so founded in this concept that the night that the Lord told me, start a daily prayer meeting tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. and don't stop till I come back. When the Lord gave me that word, that night He confirmed the calling in Second Samuel twenty-four twenty-four, which was all about this subject of a costly sacrifice. I was reading through the Bible uh, in, in that you know period of time. I was in uh, the Old Testament. <coughs> and when I got to uh, the, the night before, before the Lord said start a daily prayer meeting, I ended in 2 Samuel chapter 23. So I'd finished 2 Samuel 23, which meant the next night, because I was doing just a few chapters every night before I went to bed kind of thing. It meant the next night I was going to start in 2 Samuel chapter 24, not having any idea that the next day was going to be the most mile-marking day of my life, life-calling, start the prayer room, be a part of the prayer movement for the rest of my life. I had no idea that was happening tomorrow. So the Lord says, start a daily prayer meeting tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. and don't stop till I come back. I make the phone calls. I send out the emails. That night, I'm reeling. I'm, I'm trying to go to bed. I'm about to read you know, a few of these chapters. And I'm going, what have I done? Oh, my gosh, it's going to be so costly. I can't believe this. Every morning, 5 a.m., until you come back, that's like, this is like the rest of my life. I've just said yes to something for the rest of my life. Like That's a really, really big commitment and I'm, I'm just, I'm processing it. And I read this passage that night. And it was the Lord trying to mark and trying to get it into the genetics of this house of prayer, trying to get us to understand the concept of sacrifice. From the very beginning, this was what uh, was said. The king replied to Aruna, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Sacrifices aren't, Sacrifices if they don't cost you something. You can't give up something that you don't care about and call it a sacrifice. The Lord calls five aces on that every time. There's only four aces in a deck, people. He he, there's no, he just it doesn't work. You've got to actually give something that's costly. The Lord wants a costly sacrifice. And if it's not costly, I just want you to be real with yourself, it's not a sacrifice. It's not that it doesn't have any value. I mean, it might have some, but don't call it a sacrifice because it's not if it doesn't tug at you, if it doesn't cause you pain. If you're not not feeling the ache of it, if it costs you nothing to give that up, to do that thing, then it's not that it doesn't have value in the kingdom because doing the right thing is the right thing no matter what because it's the right thing. But if you're like, I actually love doing that right thing, well, then that's not a sacrifice because you're stoked about it. It's the stuff you don't want to do, okay? And so the second point I just want to make is sacrifices are costly by design. Next, this is one that I had to learn. Man, I had to learn. And then I had to help model it for a community. And I don't know how great I did on that. I don't know how great we did it as a community on this. But it was something that we talked about on occasion. Here's the third point. Don't be a burden to others because of your sacrifice. That's a real big deal. Because here's the, de- the thing. The kingdom of God is supposed to move forward, not move backwards because of your sacrifice. So don't be a burden to others, an undue burden to others because of your sacrifice. So I'm just going to read you a few verses here. Don't turn your sacrifice into someone else's problem. Galatians 5.13. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh rather serve one another humbly in love we're supposed to be serving one another humbly in love all the time first john 2:10 anyone who loves their brother lives in the light these are just basic christian principles that are applicable all the time this is part of christianity on a good day on a bad day on a day you gave a sacrifice this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us and we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers. There are a thousand verses that say the same thing. But when you give a sacrifice, if you're not careful, what you gave can, be, can make you a burden to those around you. You have to work double hard to not be a burden to the ones around you because it's something you gave to God. I can't tell you how odious it is to me, I'll just be honest about me, and I'm just, a, I'm just a dude, and I know you feel the same way. When someone else gives a sacrifice to God, and that means now I have to do more, that's not cool. When somebody else gives a sacrifice to God, and now I'm now burdened by that, that's not cool. That's not helpful. I can remember in the season of time that I was living very lean financially, very, very lean People would go out to lunch and I would intentionally avoid the conversation when they were going to go out to lunch because I didn't want to go out to lunch because I couldn't buy my meal and I didn't want people at the table to think, well, Brad's here. We know he's broke. We have to buy his lunch. I didn't want to be an undue burden to people. So I actually worked hard to not get invited to go out to lunch. See, that's what loving your brother looks like. And if they're like, they come, they come out of their way and they go, hey, we know that you don't have any money, come out to lunch with us, that's a very different situation. But it's, it's a burden to be in that situation where you're at the table, you don't have the money, and you know it, and they know it, and now everybody around the table is like, well, what do I do with this person? So don't let your sacrifice become someone else's burden. That's not loving them, all right? And really, the sacrifice now is theirs, really, they're having to buy the lunch and again take that same concept into every other realm okay all right here's the next one turn it all into fellowship here this is probably the most important lesson don't just give it turn it into fellowship it's it's you've wasted it you've missed the point if you just gave the sacrifice if you just did the thing and, and there was a pinch on it, and you just had the pinch, and you didn't turn the pinch into conversation, I'm doing this because I love you. This pinch I feel right now, this ache, this burden, this lack, this FOMO, I'm doing it because I love you. I'm, I, this is you and me. I, did this, I actually did this to get to this point where I'm feeling pain so we could talk about it and I could say, here's my offering. You give him the offering again and again in the midst of the pain. You actually give him the offering very little at the moment that you make the sacrifice. Very little. You give him the offering when the pinch increases and there's pain and that that sacrifice, it's costing you something. And you go, I'm doing this for you. This is for you. And you turn it into fellowship. You've really wasted it. If you don't turn it into fellowship, look at this. I just gave you Colossians 3 here. Whatever you do, Whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God, our Father, through Him. Do it, whatever that thing is, do it for Him. Do it with Him. Turn that into fellowship. I think it's the most important lesson that you can learn related to the subject of sacrifice is don't just do the thing and write it off and now it's over. Engage Him in the pain and say, this ache I do this for you, and, and often the ache comes to you and wallops you. The ache is not a planned ache moment, like, oh, tomorrow at 5 p.m. I'll feel the ache, and that's when I'll have a conversation with God about this. It actually happens right when you don't expect it, the, the pain, the ache of it, where you're, the pinch, you're like, oh, gosh, this is, oh, that's tough. Right then, turn it into fellowship. That's how this whole sacrificial living thing works. And you got to engage faith. It's really tied to the the, uh, turn it into fellowship. It's engage faith. It looks like this. Your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. You've got to believe God's watching. Why in the world did you give the thing up? to be spiritual, to say you did, pat yourself on the back, feel, feel important. What, why did you do it? Didn't you do it because you were giving it to God? Then you've got to believe God saw it and he sees you and he's watching. You've got to engage faith. He is actually seeing my choice. No one else sees it. In fact, others might misinterpret it, but you see it. And I know you see it. I know you're a God who sees. And I know that you're watching me. And I, I, I'm engaging faith. I'm believing this matters to you. I gave this to you. I didn't give this to people. I didn't do this because, you know, for me. I gave this to you. And I know you're looking at me right now. And I know you see this. Your word says you see what's done in secret and you'll reward it. I know you're watching me right now. You've got to engage faith. And that engage faith, really, you can't do the whole fellowship thing until you engage faith first. Because you've got to believe that there's actually a God on the other side of the conversation. And that he's watching and that he cares and that his nature and his character is what the word of God says. <clears throat> and so as you offer him this offering, this sacrifice in your life, whatever it is, you're believing that he's actually seeing it and responding. Okay. So we're going <clears> to <throat> touch on uh, three different things here. Personal sacrifices... Ministry sacrifices, and I'm going to share some stories from my early years just to give you some ideas of some dumb stuff to do. First, uh, and because we're going to be covering money in a future session, none of these are money related. These are all just uh, different uh, ideas about what a sacrifice can look like. And here's my objective. It's not to give you an exhaustive list. It's to start getting you thinking, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. That's something I could do. Or... I don't want to do that. I would do the exact opposite of that, and that would actually be a sacrifice for me. Cool. Uh, this isn't like a, you know, the, the Bible's 72 sacrifices. That's not what I'm doing right now. This is like, I'm just trying to give you some ideas of what it can look like for sacrificial living, ways that you can engage faith, ways that you can feel God that are actually free will offerings that you could give up. First is pleasurable foods. Pleasurable foods is not Fasting the point of fasting is a slow death. The point of fasting is you're depriving your body of calories and you need calories to live. So when you're at a calorie deficit, it's actually more related to dieting than it is uh, to, to giving up pleasurable foods. When you're at a calorie deficit, your body's not doing what it's supposed to do. Your brain's not thinking like it's supposed to think. So I'm not talking about Fasting. Fasting and pleasurable foods, those are not the same thing. But it doesn't mean giving up pleasurable foods doesn't count to God because it's absolutely a sacrifice if that matters to you. It is absolutely a sacrifice. It's not fasting, but it absolutely counts for something else. And here's what it counts for. You like that thing. You have access to that thing. And you choose for a season of time, I am not going to take place, I'm not going to uh, practice or, or uh, take uh, uh, whatever, Pleasure in that thing, I'm not going to have it. So, just a few things: sweets, <clears throat> coffee, your favorite foods. Eat only a simple, unfun diet for a season of time, where you're able to get all the nutrients you need. It's just totally not fun. And you do it <clears throat> not because you have to. None of the, you don't have to do any of this. I'm saying the hungry are going to go after some of these things and other things like it in order to encounter the Lord more. This whole concept of sacrificial. You don't have to do any of it. So you might look at all this and go, Brad, your lists are dumb, and I don't want to do any of that. Cool, I'm not trying to get you to. I'm trying to help you to understand there's a lot of realms where you can actually touch this thing called sacrificial living, living before an audience of one, see, with the God who sees what's done in secret, rewarding you. You can actually engage the Lord in these ways. <clears throat> Next one, give up media. Social media, music, radio, phone, iPad, voice use, uh, or computer use, games, TV, mu- movies, YouTube videos, other forms of entertainment. <clears throat> you don't have to give them all up. Maybe do one area. But you don't do it to look cool. You do it to get God. That's the whole point. This whole conversation isn't about being spiritual. I don't, that doesn't matter to me at all. I don't care if you think I look cool. I care if I'm feeling God. I want to feel God. And God says, I actually look upon your sacrifices. And if it's costly to you, and I'll just tell you this, one sacrifice to the person next to you wouldn't touch you at all. And you'd be like, I could give that up all day and that doesn't matter to me at all. Well, then that's not a sacrifice for you. But something different for you, they might feel the same way about. So it's it's individual. This is like, what does it matter in your life? Because the objective is to engage God. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about engaging God with faith, the God who sees what's done in secret. <clears throat> I put on there other forms of entertainment because there might be a million different ways that that could look. Giving up sleep. Now you need sleep long term. You can't just live without sleep. But I just gave you a few different ideas of ways that you can kind of cheat the system a little bit for a season of time. I've known those that have gotten up every night from 2 to 4 a.m. to seek the Lord in the middle of the night. Just get up in the middle of the night, seek the Lord and go back to bed. Get up at 5 a.m. and do, seven, uh, do 5 a.m. sets around here seven days a week for a month. Just choose and go, Lord, I'm going to give this up. I'm going I'm to sacrifice this because I want to encounter you more. And I, I recognize that's going to pinch. I'm going to be tired. It's going to hurt. That's not going to be fun. But I'm going to do this, and I want you to see this, God. Help me. Or flip-flop. Do the 11 p.m. sets. Maybe you're like, man, I don't know how I would do that. 11 to 1 a.m. Do seven days a week for a month or something. I'm just giving you ideas. And you're like, I don't want to do it for a month. I want to do it for six weeks or six days, whatever. I'm just throwing out ideas. I love this. This is one I'm stealing from Bryce Hudnall. Give up all negativity. This is a beautiful thing that I've just watched Bryce do on occasion uh, over the years. It's such a beautiful sacrifice. You might go, well, aren't we supposed to not be negative anyway? Yeah, but we all are. We all are really negative. Eye-rolling, bad-mouthing, complaining, speaking ill of others, t- not, not taking our judgmental thoughts captive, just kind of letting them run, sarcasm, back-talking. I mean, there's all sorts of ways, and I just, I just love that idea of a season of time where you're like, no, 100%, no negativity for a week, a month, a year, whatever the period of time, no negativity, none, zero, incredibly challenging incredibly challenging but it's like but wouldn't that honor the lord that like you're talking to him about that it's like oh man i really am struggling right now because i really want to tell that guy off right now and lord i'm giving this to you like what a great way to engage the lord take a relational pause it's pause introverts pause not indefinite So Jesus would go away to pray. I mean, we've got those sorts of pictures. But what if for a season you say for a month, I'm not going to do anything social. But I'm not going to just not go out. I'm not going to just not go to the coffee appointments, just not go to do the things and stay at home and do whatever I want. I'm going to turn that around into additional time that I can spend with the Lord. It's not enough that you just don't go hang out with friends. But like, why? For what purpose? Lord, I'm going to spend the next Week, month, year, whatever it is. I mean, year's too long. I'll just tell you that right now. We need you and you need us. But for a minute, for a moment, to take a relational pause from all the different relational investments. Now, you still got to go to work, still got to do your stuff. But all the extra stuff, all the social extra stuff, just pull aside for a minute. And get your just composure and go, I'm going to spend this time with the Lord. I'm going to spend some additional time. The time that I would be spending in all these free time moments, I'm just going to spend it with the Lord. Here's one for you. Dedicate your family time to the Lord for a month, a year, whatever, where 100% of the family time is spent in calculated, like crafted moments of trying to seek the Lord together. Prayer meetings, Bible studies, uh, dialogues, conversations, prophesying over each other. I'll just say this. It wouldn't be enough to say this out loud to the Lord. You'd have to come up with a meticulous plan. Like, what does it look like when we're together? What do we do? What do we not do? But what a great way to like really hone your attention to the Lord and and really just get something sweet going in your family life. All right, now let's look at the corporate mission because we just covered the individual lube the heart, your individual, like you're going to be touched on an individual level. These will still do that, but they'll also touch the ministry. Now, this is important because this is one of the ways that the Lord has built the kingdom that is so surprising. When we serve our brother, we encounter God. It's really weird. When we serve, or at least there's opportunity to encounter the Lord. When we serve the ministry, when we serve the Lord, we encounter the Lord. So there's actually a way to be able to serve not just our own self, but serve others in a greater need in a corporate mission and still get the same result of our heart gets lubed. We get connection with the Lord. We like... But not only that, but we get to move the kingdom of God forward. Same concept, sacrificial living. Here it is. The kingdom of God, or kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Give up your day off for three months, six months, a year, I don't know, and spend all day Saturday up at the prayer room with the intention, I'm going to focus on the Lord all day on Saturday. And if you're like, well, Saturday's not my day off. Okay, well, whatever your day off is. Pick a, pick a period of time. I mean, not, how costly is that? Like, what are you not going to get done for that three-month period or whatever it is you do? Like, you're going to, like, kind of be useless. I mean, because that day off, like, normally would do other things, but go, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press in. I'm going to spend this eight-hour block, and I'm just going to reach for God on my day off, not even on, on my other days. Like, I'm going to do it on my day off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him the best that I have. I'm going to spend it at the prayer room, and I'm just going to spend the whole day just seeking the Lord and and pressing in. Whoa, what what would that do in your life? Like what? Wow. I mean, like redeeming your day off in a real intentional way. Again, not forever. Who knows what the Lord would say or do? But like for a season of time, what a beautiful idea. Here's one. Don't tell anybody you're doing it. Be real careful not to tell anybody you're doing it. Commit in your heart you're going to say yes to everything everything that's asked of you around here for a month. Everything that's asked. Every need you hear about for a month or two months or five months, whatever you want to do. Every need, everything that you're asked, everything that you overhear, you're going to say yes. I mean, that you can do. I mean, obviously there's some schedule conflicts where you just can't do it. But just like (coughs) yes month, where you're just going to say yes to every need and allow the pinch of that, allow the ache of that of what that's taking out of your personal life and, and your time and whatever. Just commit to like a month of it or whatever period of time. I'm going to say yes to every single need that I can possibly meet around this ministry for a period of time. That's a pretty cool one. Again, tell no one. Learn to play an instrument. Some of you might be like, well, I don't really sing that great, so I don't really want to learn an instrument, or I've never learned an instrument, I've never thought of myself as musical. listen, pretty much promise you, if you'll just commit to do it, you'll learn how to play an instrument. I mean, guitar, keys, and Robbie can help. So it's like, you, you can learn an instrument. You just thought, well, I never wanted to do that. I never thought, so. how helpful would that be around here if you learned an instrument? Like that would be really, really helpful. And some of you are like, well, I already know how to play an instrument. Cool, then play it. <laughs> but learn how to play an instrument, what, a, what an incredible benefit to the house of prayer. What an incredible help to move things forward for this house of prayer because now you could actually do a fill-in set. Whereas right now you couldn't if you don't know how to play an instrument. It's like, wow, that would be really, really helpful and sacrificial because you had to learn, which meant time and fingers and tendonitis and whatever else you get. I mean, it's like, like, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to learn and it takes time. But you could do it and that would be really beneficial for this house of prayer. Here's one. Commit to 100% engagement in your prayer meetings for a period of time. Say, you know, a month, six months, I don't know, something. Here's the difference between 100% engagement and probably what we're doing now. We're probably engaged for something like maybe 50% of a prayer meeting, 60%, 80% if we're lucky, Go into psalm assembly mode where you're like, I'm in this room. I am 100% engaged for 100% of the seconds that I'm in this room. The entire time. And then I come back to another prayer meeting tomorrow and I do it again. Pick a period of time. Whether it's six weeks or a month or whatever. I don't know. Pick some some period of time and decide I'm going to be 100% engaged every second of the prayer meetings. Every second. Wow, that's... That takes focus and intentionality, and I mean, that's pretty awesome. And, it, I mean, it's fun when you can do it. Some of you, the biggest sacrifice you can make in this season is joining TPR's volunteer staff. Maybe the biggest sacrifice you can make. Because you're like, man, I got a lot going on in my life, and, I mean, you know, there's other things. Well, the good news about the way that we built this ministry is we've always built it with the intention of, like, trying to come up with a way for busy people to be engaged and be able to do the house of prayer. We've always come up with that way. One of the things that's been different, and I just want to make this point clear because it's something that you probably all know and feel, but I want to articulate it. Something that's different about the prayer room that's different than most ministries I'm aware of, this is so much less a place to go and so much more a people to join. The prayer room is so much less a a location, a destination, an address. I go there and I go to prayer meetings. It's, it, that happens, but that is, it is so much less that it. it's so much more come join a people and do what we do. And it's always been that way. It's always been, been real intentional about that. And volunteer staff is one of those ways that you could do that. All right. Well, I'm not even going to read you the part six or seven, whatever it is. You guys can do that later if you want to. I'm just going to skip to the very end. Number seven this session is really about perspective. That's really what I'm after. It's not so much about don't eat sweets or you know, sign up for prayer meetings on Saturday. It, it, th- those are just like possible expressions, and it's, really, it's a very incomplete list. There's a million more things that could be on the list. It's not about you doing the list. It's about shifting the perspective to start going, I could actually start giving God more of my life than he even asked more of myself, more of my time, more of my energies, more of my talents, and that it wouldn't be for nothing. That when I give him those things, the God who sees me would reward me. And that reward would actually equal fellowship, growth in my heart, advancing the kingdom, well use of my time, good use of my time. I mean... My objective here really is to try to get us to shift our perspective that sacrificing for Jesus is the center of a forerunner culture. It's the center of a forerunner people. We're a forerunner people. Many of you live this way, do this, think this way. Maybe we're doing it because you've seen it modeled, because it's what we do around here. And maybe some of you, you'd not been doing it thinking what you were doing and the value of it. I want you to think about it. I want you to, I want you to feel the pleasure of God in the decisions that you're making, that you're making for the Lord. This is so important to our, our personal life, to our walk with God, and to this ministry. I'll just end with this, and worship leader or team, you can come on up. This subject, it might seem a little foreign to some. It might seem a little odd. I mean, it's like not eating chocolate. Equals encounters with God. If you really love chocolate, it really can. And I just want to tell you from my personal life, and this is, we didn't get into the stories because we just didn't have time, it's okay. I can share it all here in a minute. There are only a handful of things in my Christian walk that have made more impact in my life than sacrifices. There are only a handful of things. It's a very small number. I mean, I would say the greatest commandment has made more impact to me than this. The subject of eternal rewards has made greater impact. But the subject of eternal rewards and the subject of the greatest commandment led me into doing this kind of stuff. It actually provoked it and caused me to go deeper in both. I can think of very few things that have caused me to become the the person I am in God and my my relationship even as a leader (laughs) than dumb little sacrifices that I made on purpose and I said, I know you see this. I'm looking for ways to cheat the system. I'm already doing everything I can do for you. I'm already saying yes. I'm already obeying, but I want to do more. I want to give you more. I want to pour my heart out in an even greater way. Would you look at this little offering and value it? I'm going to give it to you, Lord. And then when I start to feel the pinch of it, I go, oh, Lord, I know you see me. I know you value what I'm doing. God, see this and, and respond. God who sees me, respond to me. I can think of very few things that have made more impact in my spiritual life, in my knowledge of God, in my feeling the presence of God than the subject of sacrifices. It's it's profound. And so I want to throw that out to you for you to start having maybe a little bit of a different paradigm shift and go, how could that start to look in my life? Or some of you are old pros at this and you could have preached this message way better and just go, Lord, is there anything? what? what? And really you're... You're asking the Lord for permission to dream again. You're asking the Lord for for permission to find areas of your heart because he's not going to tell you what you have to give him. That's not what this is. This is you finding something and going, oh, Lord, can I give this to you? Do you feel his pleasure on that? It's like, oh, oh, that's going to be costly. Okay, all right, I'll give that to you, Lord. Okay, okay, let's do it. And dream with him and be, be in that sort of fellowship with him so that you can experience that. It is beautiful, and it is profound, and it's, it is one of the forming principles of this community in the way that it impacts us individually and as a ministry. Father, this concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources, please visit our website at tprdfw.com. Thank you.